Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. I am glad to hear it, and I am glad that whoever out there is listening, if you're listening to it when it first drops, if you're listening to it later, don't care. Glad you're listening. Thank you for being with us. Hey, tonight we decided that we were going to be going and uh, hitting into some new stuff that, that Brad's really been wanting me to Brad's really been trying to push me into to trying some new stuff. So, um, well, I have notes here. Unfortunately, it seemed to write it on paper that's damn near sandpaper. Made it hard to write notes, but I've got some stuff here. Uh, Brad, what are we looking at? So we're doing, this is either going to be one episode or two episodes, but we are doing Lucha Libre, which we've been highly negligent and not getting to. But, you know, it's been a time constraint thing, but we are... Doing Lucha Libre, and Matt and I are fairly experienced with watching it, and Shad is kind of going into this pretty raw, I'd say. Um, do you count watching Mike Tenay segments on Nitro? <laughs> no. Because that's the thing. People, then, uh, people no. are going to... People are going to... No, but that's where a lot of us... A lot of us actually, like... Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I was going to say, a lot of people are going to be like, well, I, I watched the Cruiserweights and WCW, and it's like they weren't working like a true Lucha Libre style. They were not, but if you're like, well, that's that was my experience with them. It was a lot of people's experience, like first experience with Lucha, or at least like, like Lucha Doors, the style a little bit, so uh, I'm not going to hate on that. Like, if, that, if your experience is like, well, I grew up I, like I loved back in the day, I loved Nitro because that was the thing about uh about WCW in the '90s. Like even if like some of the stuff in the main event was wacky or you didn't care for like NWO Hogan like always winning or what have you, you would have like banger like you'd have like a banger five minute six man lucha thing. And even if it's not like true lucha, it's like you would see like Hector Garza and uh, like one of the Vianos and they'd just be like tearing it up. And then it'd be it'd be awesome. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, and, you get super so, yeah, crazy like, doing super crazy things. Yeah, and, and ECW. Yeah, so my first exposure was 98, I think, because I had my parents had satellite. We had Dish Network, and um, CMLL would come on Galavision. Galavision. <laughs> was it? It was either Saturday night or like Tuesday night or something weird, and I just happened across it one day. And it had a um, it had quite a few of the, like the WCW luchadors in it, so that helped like 
acclimate me to it. And then, you know, I saw like Hushin Lager. I saw Val Venus do a couple of appearance and he do the whole hello ladies promo in Spanish, which was an interesting experience. And I think, um, uh, giant Silva was doing stuff in there. Huh? Uh, he might have. Yeah. He probably, uh, also, he, I mean, you've also probably saw like Ultimo dragon. Yeah. Do stuff. He always did a ton of stuff in, in Japan. Like, uh, the whole, I don't know if I pronounced this right, but Toruman. Yeah. Uh, right. At which, and then like you know other stuff called like Dragon Gate, uh, and then obviously in like the 2000s in America, Chikara, the whole the the innovation like the synthesis of basically pure resu, the Japanese style, and lucha libre to become like lucha resu, like kind of a mix of the two styles. Like that's kind of like what Ultima Dragon. I don't know if you could credit him as pioneering it, but kind of like in that style where it's there's it's very heavily lucha influenced, but it also has uh, Japanese elements, just indie wrestling mm-hmm. stuff, like very acrobatic, very like really cool stuff like that. Uh, that was kind of came from it. I my exposure I, kind of with yours. I'm not an expert by far, like but I back in the day because I was such a wrestling nerd uh in like the late 90s early 2000s i i really like uh, any wrestling i'd watch so univision and galavision would have lucha libre on i think like saturdays and sundays and i would just like watch it and i would occasionally like taste and stuff and they would have triple a uh and they would have cmll uh, and they, which obviously both are still in existence, but I watched like a, <laughs> a ton there. So there's guys I'm familiar with, but then uh, like in the late 2000s, early aughts, uh, not early aughts, early tens. So we're calling like that decade, like the tens, like I kind of yeah, the aughts. Yeah, I've been calling it like the late aughts, early tens. I kind of like fell out of following, especially well, I, I kind of fell out of watching wrestling like consistently like i would occasionally yeah, still watch too. i would always like follow uh but then there was like a few years ago that i got obviously way more into wrestling mm-hmm. uh, i would all I, I since i've been such a fan i would always like follow it i even if i wasn't actively watching i'd always be like oh i'm gonna like i every week i would go on like observer yeah uh and like the observer website and at least see what's happening like i'd read like raw results or whatever like i would figure out what's going on but i didn't necessarily watch a bunch of stuff and so i kind of like fell out of a lot of luchador stuff so there's there's tons of luchadors that are more modern modern <laughs> um <laughs> i love but that's a, that's an inside joke i love saying modern because if uh what is a domo arigato i am a modern man that's what he sounds like but anyway yeah. it's inside joke uh anyway i there's like a ton of modern luchadors that i'm not as familiar with or I have seen, but it's only like the last like two, three years I've seen. So like there's a whole bunch of guys like I'm not as familiar with. Like Mystico, mm-hmm. um, who came is he is he back to being Mystico or was it like I he was just back remember. in the day and it's like a new guy is Mystico? I think he I think he might be Mystico again. I don't I don't okay. remember because he was Mysticies in AAA. I think he is back to being Mystico because I think he he like lost the right to be Mystico because Mystico Mystico was like at the period I wasn't watching Lucha, Mystico like became big and was like like the hottest Luchador it was was great. He was like, He's like it, that he was the biggest draw in the world for like two yeah. or three years. And he was I heard stories that he was doing like crazy uh, 
like scheduling stuff like that it's like rick flair back in the 80s it's like he would do like a show in mexico and then like an hour later be at a different show doing stuff because he was just like picking money hand over fist because he was like the top draw and then he went to obviously he went to wwe as sincara the original sincara and that did not pan out no they, uh, they really screwed him over honestly they they oh that's why i mean it's a sidebar but it's like i don't really think that dragon lee uh coming into wwe it's like okay they're not going to use you well because they like they don't really use like mexican wrestlers well like even they they basically the only one they've booked kind of decently is ray mysterio because it's like he's arguably the best lucha of all time with that's that's controversial to say that i mean mm. there are people who'd be like you know santo ludimon atlantis there, there's other people like you basically like argue but i mean ray mysterio is one of it's arguably one of the best he's definitely like in my opinion top 10 if not top five luchadors of all time i mean ray mysterio is in like outside goat consideration as a wrestler so i don't think that's out of bounds and if people have a problem with that they i mean i don't know what to tell you the problem with with mystico though is um that was when ray was starting to get old and they were trying to replace him and they just like brought him over and like tossed him on the main roster. That's that. Yeah, they did because they wanted the new Rey Mysterio, and that's mm. to me like that's again why to go back to Dragon Lee. That's why it's like I don't think I don't think you're if you're Luchador, you're you should be signing necessarily with WWE. It's like you're basically you're, you have either one or two roles in my opinion. Like you're going to be used as some sort of like quasi prejudice gimmick where you're like they're playing on like a stereotype of like a you know mexican or hispanic wait origin. matt are you telling yeah. me that the company that had a stable called the mexicools that entered on riding lawnmowers would do something like that yeah it's shocking right supposedly right. that was hoobie's idea just you could even if that was hoobie's idea they could still go look we see where you're coming from and we would be down for it, but that's just not going to look good on TV, man. So uh, we need I something mean, else. I think he was also, trying to get a job, but, you know. I, he was, I'm sure he was trying to get a job. I would also add that Hoovy is kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. And kind of it's really me being me. He's really, like, a lot crazy. But, I mean, yeah. But, yeah, it, Chad, shocking. Shocking that I make that allegation. So you're either doing that or you're, like, they're trying to present you as, like, the next Ray Mysterio. So maybe – Maybe that they're gonna present Dragon Lee as the next Ray Mysterio, but it's like Ray Mysterio is Ray Mysterio. Like, yeah, you're not. There's like only one of I him. Think, so um, trying to shoehorn another person into it, I don't, I don't think it's gonna work. I think Dragon Lee was a cha- was trying to lure um, Rushin, and that Rush, did not yeah. work out because um, they didn't want to pay him. Right. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't want to pay him. Like, uh, I don't know what Dragon Lee is making now, but when he signed, I think he signed like an NXT contract. So he's like, making, I like think... 75 a year if he's lucky, maybe. Yeah, he's but he's probably he's making 120. He probably made. I don't know, but I would guess he probably could make that or really better working Mexico still. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, but I mean, he's probably could have made really good money in AEW. Uh, and I'm sure Roosh, like me, Roosh signed. I think he signed like a multi-year deal. Uh, and and he did it for reasons where it's like, oh, Tony Khan, like really, he he was very complimentary about Tony Khan, showing a lot of interest and respect to to him and his family when uh, he just had the birth. He just had a, little, a baby too, like he just had a daughter. 
Yeah. And he really, that was really like what sealed the deal for him. But it's also like, we've talked about AEW before. It's like, there's, there's a reason why like the elite guys like resign. And one of those, the biggest reason uh, it's nothing shocking. Like we've talked about it before, Brad. I think you've like mentioned it several times. It's like the schedule's like better. It's like if you're oh, yeah. if if you're like Matt and Nick Jackson, for example, because they've actually said this as a specific reason why they resigned. It's like they have small kids. It's like what are they gonna do? They're gonna like they're gonna do the grind at WWE where it's like let me be away from my family for like two hundred two hundred fifty like whatever dates a year. Uh, or do I want to work like? Mm, maybe like a uh, hundred dates a year in, uh, in AEW. And I have the opportunity for like the, maybe less money than the WWE could pay you depending upon their status. Like the Jacks, like the, the young bucks get like a lot of money. Yeah. A drag, Dragon Lee is getting underpaid, but I mean, he would not be like, Oh, I'm going to sign for like a million yeah. a year. Like, I don't know, but, but I mean, but the thing is though, if you're, if you're, if you're looking at the two, and WWE's offering you four hundred thousand to work their schedule, and mm-hmm. AEW comes along and they're offering you two hundred and fifty thousand, and you're working like a fourth of the time. Like the con, like that's the thing with the contracts that I think people might not understand is WWE might be offering better money, mm-hmm. but AEW might be offering you better value for your time. Yeah, and. I assume, I don't know if this is standard in the contracts or this is something that they would need to hash out before, but I mean, there are plenty of guys in AEW who are allowed to work indies or they're allowed to work other promotions mm-hmm. with reason. It's like a, a, a guy who, like Claudio, if Claudio, or Eddie Kingston is probably the better example. So Eddie Kingston obviously is working with New Japan. Like New Japan and AEW have like a good relationship right now. So if Eddie Kingston's like, yeah, I want to do the G1, which he did, like they're cool with that. Like Eddie Kingston, I doubt could could be like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I want to do like some shows for NWA. Like they got rid of Tyrus. Uh, let me let me start going and doing like I want to be NWA champion. Like I don't know. Like Tony Khan's actually pretty lax about letting people appear. I mean, he, he actually, kind of lets he, independent contractors independent a bit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, maybe he maybe NWA is like a bad example because NWA like has like they kind of have like pay per view but they don't have like actual tv so that may be a bad example but like impact like he's actually let people do impact eight of the guys have been impact like kenny omega was like the impact champion for a while but i mean well christian like, was too yeah but he's not gonna let certain he's not he's probably like gonna i mean obviously like the the focus is on aew and aew projects because there are people who I think have other have have in, have taken any dates and like something came up so they like they had to cancel like uh somebody recently I don't know who it was like had an indie date and they had to cancel it because they were going to do an AEW stuff but mm-hmm. I mean it, yeah you can do like outside bookings essentially or you can be on like New Japan doing like the G1 if you want to uh or you could you know go to WWE and that's the only thing you do for like hundreds of dates a year um so it is what it is it's like I don't I mean, you may get up lucky. You may be like the Good Brothers, who get are getting paid probably like fat contract, and have are just sitting at home like you don't see them. Like so, yeah. Yeah, they re-signed they, them to do the same thing with them again, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, it AOP got signed, and they're not doing anything either. So. Oh, I forgot. They've been signed for like 
almost a year, haven't they? If it, uh-huh. At least for... Yeah, actually, yeah. Because I am like... I, for, I forget that it's actually September. Because the, the, the story was like, oh, they got signed in 2022. It's like, okay. They even got if they signed, were signed in like November, I think. Even if they were signed December 31st. It's like, okay, it's now nine... We're almost... We're nine... Almost completion of nine months. <laughs> well, it's like... <laughs> remember, too, about that, though, is FTR Bald said that they stayed with AEW because... Like in WWE, you're just a number, but like Tony Khan treats you like a human being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we recently did our show uh, talking about Bray Wyatt's passing and it came out afterwards. Uh, who did, who did on their podcast said that? It might have been Jericho. But someone on their pack. Oh, no, it was actually Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy, I think, has like a podcast. And he actually said that Tony Khan paid for like a jet for anyone who wanted to go to Bray Wyatt's funeral. Yeah, like they go like he would actually fly them out to wherever it was. So, I mean, and and that's that's just like a little thing that like I think he does it because one, like let's be realistic, like Tony Khan is like back in the day, Tony Khan was was on the Death Valley Driver board. Uh, <laughs> arguably, like, he was creating arguably the greatest uh, message board thread of all time, the the wrestling sleaze thread, but. He's like a he's basically a huge nerd who's been a wrestling fan since he was like a kid. And there's like I think someone actually found a clip of of like his dad taking him to an ECW show like back in the 90s. It's like he's a wrestling nerd. He loves this. Uh, I what Brad didn't was it you, Chad? One of you two shared like I think somebody shared like he works like 80 to 100 hours a week on AEW. Yeah, that came out. It's like he's not just the owner of that. He he has like a football franchise and the Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. NFL team. What now I, he Fulham? gets assistance. So I'm sure. Yeah. Fulham. He, now I'm sure he gets assistance. He's not the only one running those things, but it's like, he's also heavily involved in that. So it's like working a hundred hours potentially on AEW. Like that's insane. Yeah. So that's a guy who he's, like cares. So yeah, the interview that he, came like, out today mm-hmm. said that he is the only one who has been to every show. Up until recently, it was him and one of the referees had been to every show, and then the ref couldn't make it to some. So he has been to every AEW show. Like, this guy is not doing it as a money mark. This guy wants to do it. And yeah. Well, and I think that also... You can't. You can't. Part the, of pe- the people... <laughs> the people that keep calling him a money mark are just bitter old wrestlers that can't handle the fact that he's made more money in wrestling than they ever could have hoped to do. So it's been it's been controversial because people like I guess the numbers came out and it's like oh all in in Wembley only seventy two thousand something people came it's like yeah that they didn't actually claim oh eighty one thousand people came they said eighty one thousand paid yeah eighty one thousand tickets do you, do you so think like, do that, you think those like, WrestleManias and stuff that were all in like um. Well, I mean, the other one that was probably walk-up sales. But do you think any of those WrestleManias, like, that's the actual attendance? Because stuff happens. Like, there's bots that oh, buy no. stuff. It's, it's no. a joke. Yeah. Like, no. It, like, you get, yeah, people get sick. It's like, where Meltzer... Yeah. Meltzer has, like, in, in like, the lead-up to All In, even afterwards, like, he has flat-out told, told stories where it's like, no, like, WWE has, like... Flat out lied. They lie every single year about yeah. the attendance for WrestleMania. They say, yeah, they their attendance inflated. is not people who have bought a ticket or sitting. When they do attendance, what they do is they count everybody who's there in the stands and all the staff in the building working a job. That's not attendance. 
but that's they you know that many people in attendance it's like yeah okay sure whatever what's well, like but, when people people like rag on them for like the hard cam side sales for um dynamite it's like have you guys ever been to a smackdown or a raw like they do the same thing that's what you do when mm-hmm. you're on tv yeah <laughs> you make the crowd look good and they you know yeah and if like if you're going into if you're needing to increase seating or do overflow sales, then you start selling on the hard cam side. But yeah. you don't do that. That's not where you sell the initial yeah. seats at because they're not going to be on TV. It's TV optics. Everybody does that. Yeah. Yeah. Point is, like, you don't eat, eat, eat whatever number you want to actually, like, use 72,000 showing up, 81,000 paid. I think you should really use 81,000 paid, but whatever, like 72,000. It's like you don't. If you don't care, you're not doing something right. Like if you're 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 not doing seventy something thousand people just showing up. If you're just oh he's just a money mark. It's like no. Like it's now AEW's been around like five years, and it's it just became it's wildly successful. Like some uh some dude some like financial dude, and Meltzer has hyped this up too. Because some financial person was like, yeah, I would value I would valuate. AEW if they wanted to sell it tomorrow at two billion, like that's for a company that didn't exist five years ago. That's insane. Yeah. Like I mean, obviously in in the real world there are companies that do that. Like, like the this is a weird analogy, but like the dude who created like the uh, White Claw, like alcoholic seltzer. Yeah. Which alcoholic seltzer has become like a rage, so like everyone's doing it. Like I'm sure, I think like Budweiser or some other major brand is Budweiser like they're doing, gross. they're doing their own version of like an yeah. alcoholic seltzer. But like the dude who like created White Claw and started selling it, I think within like the same amount of time, within like let's say like five years, so like that became like a billionaire because yeah. it was it became well successful. So yes, that does that does happen, but it's like for a wrestling company and I'm talking about something that everyone like worldwide would do like an alcoholic you, beverage. You have like you wrestling have, company like two worth 2 billion. The thing that uh, people today. Sorry Brad, I, I don't I don't mean to cut you off. Let me just finish this one point really quickly. Uh Max, Cinemax, or not Cinemax. HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh Discovery owns like Max and other things. I guess they own Bleacher Report too. They just announced, "Oh, we're going to do live sports." And no one they didn't say anything about it, but everyone expects that AEW is probably going to get roped up to that. So it's going to be like $10. $10 said it didn't. Like, they did. The, it, they said no. No, it's not. There was there was a uh, right before we went live. Actually, I was looking at the report um, that AEW is not part of it. Let me see if I can find the paragraph real quick. That maybe it is from was. Sports Business Journal. Um all the games on Warner Brother Discovery Sports linear channels, TNT, TBS, and True TV, will be on Max, including games from the NBA, MLB, NHL, U.S. Soccer, and March Madness. Currently, AEW will not be part of the Bleacher Report Sports mm. add-on tier. The tier will include studio shows like Inside the NBA and Bleacher Report programming like 24 Hours of Le Mans. Okay, well, I stand corrected. I thought they'd be... I mean, a- I was hoping, but AEW is rumored. It has like they've been rumored to that they're going to get that AEW is going to get some sort of like streaming deal mm-hmm. uh, with Max probably, and that you're going to get the content much like the WWE Network. They're going to get the content and possibly live pay per views or oh, when when they renegotiate open. the TV mm-hmm. deal, the butt hurt is going to be delicious. Mm. I don't think that they're going to. 
I don't think that they're going to do as well as the WWE, but it's also like there's been a lot of chatter about that lately. And people are there's some people who are sensible, like on like on Twitter, for for example, like they're sensible. And it's like WWE has been around for like 40 plus years. It's like stop expecting AEW to overtake the WWE. It's like you don't understand how like entrenched the WWE is in like the public consciousness like that. Many people consider that to be like wrestling and they have set their 40 plus years of I've, connection. With I've always said it speaks every, more like to it speaks more mm-hmm. to how far WWE has fallen that they've let an upstart nip at their heels. Yeah, but AEW has before they went poorly and made bad financial decisions and then we're in the perfect storm of an environment where it's like they got bought out by a company that didn't see a value in them wcw was part of like the nwa and it existed in some form for like decades so you're talking about aew like if tony khan sticks with it and i he cares enough that i i don't think that like within five years he's gonna be like yeah i'm gonna cash out sorry see you guys like i feel well, like he's they're, they're he could making... be like a vince mcmahon where it's like he's 70 something years old still running things if they're making money but that's probably gonna be like mm-hmm. if they're making money they don't have to overtake the wwe that's what i don't get about these these people that like freak the fuck out and just can't handle it existing like and even Meltzer, i thought it was stupid when he said it's hard being number two it's like as long as you have an audience and you're making money like it's fine you don't have to be the wwe you just have to make money they don't they literally don't need to be they don't need to do numbers (laughs) they They just need to be sustaining they're they're number two they are number two and we thought we honestly saw when (laughs) we honestly saw when like they were counter-programmed with nxt they don't even have the same audience like that, that literally the WWE audience and the AEW audience are different. There is there is some overlap, but it is not a lot. It's like it's like a very small percentage, because most of the AEW fans are younger, lapsed fans from like the Monday Night Wars, mm-hmm. and you know the WWE fans are, you know. I don't even think they're like the Jim Cornette, like Neanderthals. Like, I think those guys are just grouchy about everything, but they're just like, even like the weird Twitter ones that like, I don't, I don't understand those ones. Like, cause all they do is they talk about AEW all the time. And it's like, shouldn't you just be talking about WWE and then like enjoying your own thing? Like you talk about AEW. Way more hate than watch. You. Yeah. I, I don't, how can I put this? I, am happy right now the way AEW is i am thrilled i am absolutely thrilled I'm i don't need them I've, yeah i don't need I them thinking. to overtake wwe i don't need them to be on every network the only thing they could do right now that i think would be nice is if they mm. did get a streaming deal so i could go back and watch old stuff without it being a big deal and and that sort of thing i don't need them to do okay I'm sorry, one other thing it could do is maybe they could have their merch stuff work a little bit faster. But look, as far as the the product I'm getting on TV, I'm happy with it. I don't need more than that. This is great. I'm getting to watch stuff I like. I'm getting to see, you know, wrestlers do wrestling stuff in a format that I enjoy. And 
I even if I say, look, I don't want to watch WWE. I'm not going to say that you're an idiot for watching it. If that's what you like, that's what you like. The place where I get cross are the people that it has to be an either or. It has to be this. And I said, no, I like AEW more. I don't want to watch WWE. I don't like how it's well, booked. It's, it's not even like an AEW it thing. It's like it's like a lot of them are personally offended that like other wrestling exists and that people yeah. watch it. Oh, yeah. the the and this is going to be meaner than I typically try to be, but the staggeringly brain dead take of anything that's not WWE is an indie. Yeah, like because because to go to tonight, if you watch like the Atlantis Viano three match mask versus mask, they are in a huge crowd, mm-hmm. like gigantic crowd of people. What'd you say? Was it what twenty thousand people Maybe. in this in that building? Yeah, probably. But okay, it's, it's a huge crowd that are there to setting, see that. Setting Wembley aside, most shows are kind of around there if they're not big arena shows. And so that's not indie. That's par for the course. But, you know, you get you get some of the Fed-pilled people who insist. And it's like New Japan is not an indie, dude. Just because it's not WWE doesn't mean it's an indie. You don't actually know what indie means. You're just throwing it around because you want to hate on everything that is not your... I, I don't... I cannot bring myself to be so in the tank for a company that does stuff like you. You mentioned earlier um, the Bray Wyatt stuff. You know how many they said all the proceeds from any of his merch sales is going to go directly to the family. And I, I don't remember the exact percentage, but I think it was something like most merch sale revenue that the talent get is something like, what, five percent? And it's like, you want me to cheer for that company because. Didn't it used to be a lot more? Well, I remember the story that Scott Hall told about why he left. And his his thing was that he was getting, I don't know, something like 1.5% off of merch. And he said to Vince, he goes, now look, if you took that 1.5% and moved that decimal one place to the right, I'd be willing to bet that does not, that does not make a, any difference to the McMahon household, but it make a big difference to the Hall household. He said, so come on, can you meet me there? And they said no, and so we walked. So I remember, it's, to go along with that story, uh, Stevie Richards, I think, told it on his YouTube channel, because someone asked if uh, Nash and Hall were mad at him about the BWO when he came to uh, WCW. And they were screwing with him, but then he talked to Nash, and Nash was like, nah, it's fine, like, we thought it was funny. He's like, did you get a piece of the merch sales? He's like, no. And he's like, okay, now we're mad at you. Because <laughs> Nash is about, Nash is about the money. So, which I think yeah, is good. His, like you should be. His old, his Lou Albano reference. The only thing real in wrestling is the money and the miles. Yeah. I mean, he ain't wrong, but I, I feel like that's a bit too reductivist because how are you going to make the money? Unless you start doing all this other stuff. But I think I and, think though that people people try to shame you away from like getting what you're worth and like other guys, especially like older school guys, mm-hmm. really get on people like Luger f- for you know 
knowing their value and not settling for less. Like there's a real, oh, yeah. there's a real you don't, um, shaming of that. You're not paying your dues unless you go through a period of being destitute because yeah. you quote unquote love the business. And then they turn around and say stuff like wrestling's business. It's gotta be about making money. It's like, but you're going to shit on me for wanting to get paid more. Yeah. It, 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 I more and more and more the, the old vet in the wrestling circuit, I'm, more and more disdainful of i uh, yes that we'll use that that's a good way of putting it thank you brad um so Cause that's, anyway that's my thing with that stuff though it's just like i mean i know i'm not in the industry but i've always been about that with even like professional stuff is like go get your go get the bag if you can get it like get every yeah like I, i'm that way with young people at work if i give them advice i said like this is this is a symbiotic relationship like the company is not your friend like they pay you for a service that you need to provide to the best of your ability but like you don't work for free i will say the only caveat i'm going to add to that brad is all of the compensation is not necessarily monetary yeah so you are like for example because Brad and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, I got sent a job posting that I would make slightly more money at, but it would be at work I like less. Uh, I would not have the flexibility I have now, and I would not have the team that I work with now. It's like, and it, like, I have been asked about that before, and I've been like, I would have to be offered a lot, a lot more money um, than what. I am getting now to give up what I have now for it. But that's part of getting the bag. Like it's not just the money, it's the whole package. Which is part of what what makes AEW so nice is hey, guess what? Independent contractors can kind of independent as long as it doesn't conflict with, you know, their primary contract. Um So, anyway, what we were going to be getting into some lucha so we did some we did some beginner friendly <laughs> stuff for yeah like like an hour ago we were gonna yeah. get into lucha. <laughs> so we we picked some beginner friendly options here for Shad. So we're doing um, uh, Sigrana Chicano versus MS One from the 50th anniversary show of EMLL. Uh, excuse me, it's MS Uno. MS Uno, sorry. <laughs> and then. Yeah. Um, that's Sangre Chicano, right? Chicana. Yeah. Chicana. Chicana, sorry. I, and, then, and then we're dude, doing from 2000. I think it's 2000, maybe 2000. What's your frustration, Chad? What's your frustration? I was just going to say, look, the, the, the pronunciation thing is something that I do to try and be funny to make mm. – to to tickle the waiters at the the Mexican restaurants I like it's like I'm I'm not actually good at Spanish pronunciation I just Most I try not the Chicana the Chicana yeah. thing is actually like a little weird yeah, yeah given that it's it's a dude with yeah it should be that, that so, it's got a feminine um, suffix to it but whatever yeah and then from 2000 it's uh it I think it's 2000 it might be 2001 it is mask versus mask it is Atlantis versus uh, Viano Tracero okay it, it is uh, 2000 okay and um, uh, because apparently uh I'll, we can talk about it more but apparently uh Meltzer in the, the wrestling observer or I guess that's voted on but I mean uh this gave 
this was 2000's uh, match of the year. Oh, wow. really? Which I, I, I'd have to look at all the matches from 2000. I don't know if I would agree with this match of the year. There's one I've, off the top of my head I've seen that I would rate higher. I don't uh, think anything in I, Japan was super great that year. I, I wouldn't. Uh, that that's actually the match that I would rate higher. It, it's in it's coming in under the wire, but uh, December fourteenth, two thousand, uh, Toshiaki Kawada and Masanobu Fuji versus Yuji Degata and Taka Takashi oh, yeah. Izuka. It was all Japan versus New Japan. It came in like the very end of two thousand. Uh, but I will always hype that match. In my opinion, that is a match that is like unreal good it's all just after baba died and all japan and like imploded all, and like all, like 90 percent of all japan's roster left and formed pro wrestling noah and all japan was barely hanging on they had like fuji kawada like maybe like other guys and new japan actually did like a like a mini like it was like an invasion angle they did like a feud with them and that in 2000 that was some interesting stuff because you had like Mudo. I think Matt cut out on us. I think he did, yeah. I mean, there's lots of really good stuff happening in 2000 that was in not WCW. Um. No, WCW <laughs> was really bad in 2000. Well, okay. Except it started getting better because there towards the end, like they were on the upswing. But um, the matches never got better though until 2001. I I wouldn't disagree. Is that was it 01? Yeah, yeah it was 01. Whenever they were on the upswing, and I, now I wouldn't necessarily. Was, um, I I wouldn't. I would have to watch stuff, but I wouldn't think that at this being match of the year is out of bounds. But let's um. Let's go to 83 first, and we'll get to Atlantis and Viano in a couple minutes. But so this is, um, this is, uh, so this pretty much starts an MS1 jumps, uh, Chicana, and there's blood immediately. Now, this was the early 80s one, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, MS1 jumps on uh, Sangre early and like busts him open before he even gets in the ring. Which like, I, it's a I, total heel move. Which I, I actually like that they did color quick in this one. It, this is – you were telling me that this is like a hardcore blood feud, right? Yeah, well, they're doing hair versus hair at the anniversary show, so – I tried to look up backstory to this, but I couldn't really find anything. But if it's hair versus hair at the anniversary show, then it's a big time. Feud. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, so doing color at that point makes a lot of sense. Starting it early, starting it hot like that. And and they, they kind of the way this pretty much goes for the first fall. Well, for the first, I'd say like third of the matches, MS1 just beats Chicana like senseless the whole time and like Chicana is bleeding like Muda scale. Yeah. Like they they draw it out to the point where where Chicana finally like punches him in the face like the crowd like goes ballistic. So it, it's just a few uh quick uh, uh just one quick observation cuz we actually already ran through the early ones I had for this. I don't know if it was just me, but that ring looked hard as hell. Well, they, they, it's probably a boxing ring. 
Yeah, and and that's that's rough. It being a boxing that that's there is not give there. So it is it is hard to see that happen because it's just like ow ow ow. Ow, 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 so, ow, ow, This in a lot of circles, and Phil Schneider is a, is one, but this is considered to be a masterpiece of a match in a lot of circles, which, having finally seen it, I don't really disagree with. I think the, the quality of the film hurts it a bit, but really, Sangre Chicana is one of the best, like, face performances I've ever seen in a match. He does... So, my issue was that I did this match uh, like I I watched a whole bunch of stuff in a row and this was the last one for me so I was kind of getting a little viewer fatigue mm-hmm. but the dude was selling great and it was really like drawing you in as it went and it was and his firing up like when he started like getting his yeah. like stuff in was really good like he was and it, like it, and it really his selling is amazing like it's super sympathetic like i didn't know anything about these guys and like 10 minutes in like i i really need chicana to like beat this guy's ass because it's uh like that's how well they like worked the match like you didn't need a backstory you're like okay like i i'm all in like let's like come on like get him yeah so one thing from this match and this was you said 83, right? Yeah. Because in the past, we did the first Starcade, which was 85? 84. 84. No, 83, sorry. Okay, they were both in 83 then. Mm-hmm. This match right here, what it, this match to me looked like what WCW started doing in the late 80s. This, this, the, the style of ring work, the pacing they were keeping, that sort of stuff. It's not a direct analog, but it seemed to me that they were kind of trendsetting for what happened there later. And you had, as opposed to the the plotting uh, match that Manny Fernandez had with somebody, I can't even remember who, um, this, I mean, this, this kept moving, this kept the pace up, this had great back and forth you know it, it was they didn't really this seemed to me as, they kept it like pretty simple i thought they they do keep it simple not that that's bad that is one thing that i think wrestling since the the mid aughts to now has been bad about is over complicating a lot of stuff they, well, they, and they like hate each other like so they kind of behave it's kind of like um the Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA cage match where mm-hmm. there's not like a lot of moves. It's just kind of a barroom brawl in a ring. And this kind of follows that same formula where they're like, well, no, we hate each other. So we're not really going to bother. Yeah. I'm not doing moves. Yeah. Um, I will say the cameraman totally screwed MS one when he bladed. Uh, yeah. Some of the camera work in this was, it wasn't rapid cut. Um, it was, um, but there was some. Um, there were some. How can I best put the Bucky Beaver esque cuts that took place 
yeah, because, during this. Because he it's it's kind of like when Bruno bladed that one time. And yeah. he's very subtle about it, but the camera zooms in on him right when he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. And and flashing the crowd reactions. And it's like you did not need to flash to a crowd reaction there. Yeah, because they missed some moves. That 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 yeah. was yeah. But the thing that I that I kept seeing on this is was loot this and then uh, some other matches we've done that we watched. It seems to me is has Lucha been ahead of the curve when it comes to doing a ring style that everyone else seems to work into later? Is Lucha like just ahead of the curve in being very visually engaging that keeps you drawn in. And maybe because one of the things you told me before we started doing this is you're going to see stronger face heel dynamics and you're, you're not going to see as complicated, uh, you know, the, the storytelling is going to be generally pretty straightforward face heel kind of stuff. And it's not going to be like super complicated, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but is, is Lucha kind of ahead of the curve on doing stuff in ring in a way that other places kind of follow up to? Is that a, a fair observation? I feel like it is in some ways. Because there's, there's things that Lucha does that I forget if I don't watch it in a while. Like the attention to detail they have in certain, a lot of situations like really is above and beyond. Like We're going to come back to this later because – there's um, a multi-man match later that that, that point's going to come up on, and I'll I'll delve into it then. I don't want to do it right now. But um, and their tactics, like the tactics in the matches, are very intelligent. Yeah. So here, one of the things that I see a lot. Oh I mean, no, MS... no one's stupid. That's the other thing I like about Lucha. No one is like brazenly stupid. Right. It's not a. I see it most often in WWE stuff, but they haven't been doing it as much lately from what I can tell. I don't watch it, but I'll follow it through like R squared circle and stuff like that. It doesn't seem like the finishes are, you don't have finishes that are completely predicated on the face being a complete and utter dumbass. Yeah. As much. Um, and, and that is refreshing. The fact that we can have a, you know, and AEW has been pretty good about it, too, is the faces don't lose because they're stupid. You know, the faces might get out thought or outmaneuvered, but it's not because they're idiots. Yeah. And it, the, the, like the idea, too, is like the Rudo is there to bully and ground the Technico and the Technico is supposed to be flashy. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's it. like the dynamic is a little different, but everything in the match is predicated on the dynamic. Like you don't see in any of these matches really, you don't see a Rudo not being a Rudo. Right, right. They 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 very much keep um, they very much keep to the uh, keep to the style. And like the thing is, they usually introduce them as Rudos, but like you don't have to know anything about anyone really because once they start doing the match, like you figure out really quick, okay, those are the Rudos because they're brawling, they're they're you know isolating the faces and you know stuff like that in watching this one of the things that i caught um i took three years of spanish in high school but i never could 
do it spoken because I, I could not hear it and process it fast enough. Yeah. But one of the things. I... Yeah. One of the things that I did catch was they were referring to them as Rudos and Technicos. And I was like, boy, that's not uh, that's not something I'm used to. Uh, you guys hear me? Yeah, we got. OK, you. hopefully I'm uh, coming through. OK, um, I'm not sure where you are in discussion. We're talking we about are... Chicana MS1. Uh, what point? Well, just kind of kind of high level stuff right now in that we don't have um, we don't you don't have people being stupid a lot like they're they're true to what their motivation is, but they're not idiots like if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've. I, yeah. This uh this one was shocking to me just because of how violent it was. Oh yeah. Oh, it, it started out ridiculous. Because they're both ridiculously violent by the end. Yeah, and this had very much like at the sign of the times. Like it was, uh, it was like the I would say it was less is more because it's like they would do a move and it would like matter a lot more. It was mm-hmm. like I'm gonna do like 20 dives before I do it. It's like no, like yeah, a, a simple punch could like be devastating and like really they can milk that mm-hmm. well, i think it was we, we were talking about that and that a lot of that we thought was because it's a big feud match and they obviously hate each other that they kept mm-hmm. it simple because it's more it's kind of like the and i had used it before the the magnum ta tully blanchard cage match where it's like mm. or just kind of a barroom brawl and it's like well we're not going to do moves because like it's just about like inflicting pain on each other yeah, that was a um, that was a complaint I heard some people make about uh, Rob Van Dam when he was in um, TNA, Impact, whatever. Was that it's supposed to be a grudge match, but he's still stopping to, to like do the Rob Van Dam point thing and stuff like that. And it's like, boy, if this is a grudge match and you guys are trying to take each other out, wouldn't you think that you know what? Never mind. It, it doesn't. I don't know, but Rob Van Dam's kind of an egotistical prick as a character, so I think even in like those situations, he would still try to show. Yeah, he'd people. still showboat. I see yeah. what you're saying, but um, because there's an element in those matches, especially if you're a heel, that I think people miss sometimes is like, and there was a there was a world class match I watched that uh, that they that um, Magic Dragon and um, Checkmate were doing this. They were doing like. Magic Dragon was like doing flippy stuff and it wasn't necessarily effective, but he was doing it to intentionally show up like the Von Eriks, like in the, ah. in the context of the match. And it like yeah. blew up in his face, but he was he was just doing it like there was a there was like showboating. And he was just like, well, I'm doing this to make you guys look bad in the context of I'm a heel and that's what I do. OK, I'm following you. Because I think that happens sometimes, too, and I think it's effective, like when the heel does something they're not supposed to, like goes to the top rope because they want to show up the high flyer and it totally blows up in their face and costs them the match. I think things like that are effective. Yeah, that works. Um, I get, I get frustrated when you have a match that's supposed to be a horrendous grudge match and they just work a regular match with, you know, with some like a table in it or something you like mean that. Seth Rollins. The, the example. 
the example that well yeah that one wasn't you know what I think I don't remember it being in Mox's book directly but I remember reading the section where he kind of talked about this where it was like they they first of all they didn't give him any guidance on what they wanted and then second he was like he was like he was so beyond the point of caring that he did not they were like you know you're supposed to be doing this and he's like whatever i don't care i think the I don't... pooper scooper incident like broke him it, it, yeah stuff like that so you know that one i don't give it a pass but i understand um but you know this one they it frustrated the the one that comes to mind for me where it's supposed to be a grudge match, but then everybody is nobody is doing anything particularly grudgy. And this is a weird example to go to, but hang with me if you would. It was the Brie Bella versus Stephanie McMahon grudge match from like way far back. And nobody did anything grudgy. Stephanie just healed on Brie and then Brie had a crappy baby face come back well, and that was really it her, like kicking her that's also true but it was like what are we what are we doing here you know what what is this supposed to be and it's it just seemed more like it was a we're supposed to do a match as opposed to like putting effort into what kind of match it was supposed to be that was also when they were doing the endless Gargano Champa matches. Yeah. And it's WWE, so they weren't allowed to get color. It really detracted from those matches, in my opinion. Yeah. I see where you're coming from on that. And they were doing overly convoluted stuff. I, I still. That is one of the worst finishes I've ever seen, is the last man standing where Gargano literally wily coyotes himself. I hated that so much. I hated that so much. It, it that may have been like the turning point where it it was obvious that that NXT style just was like so blatantly masturbatory that it's like this is this is this is too much. Like you, it's like if you eat like a sweet. And it's like, it's just the right amount of sweep. And it's like, oh, let's have like a quadruple chocolate sweep. It's like, okay, this is like now become so much. I can't even consume this. It's like so rich. I I, I will take a bite and it'll make me sick. Yeah. It's yeah. that. It's like, it's, this is, this is too much. You're doing way too much. I don't need 45 minute main events. I don't need like 185 uh, near falls and kickouts. Right. Like it's, it, you're doing a lot. You're doing the, the most you can possibly do. And you don't need, you back in the day and it's like i'm not trying to be like oh back in my day it's like maybe you can do like 10 big spots versus like 84 yeah because and then i i wonder about this if they never said hey this is like there's going to be a three match series if the first one went over so big they're like oh man we got to do a return on this and then they were like, oh, man, that was really good. We got to do a third one. And they're like, uh, okay. Like, I, I wonder if that might play a role. I can't swear to it, but I wonder if that might play a role on it. But, I don't think Gargano ever recovered from the end of that match either. 
Because remember they because ki- remember though, this is what people don't remember is it killed his heat to the point where they turned him heel because he wasn't as over anymore. Yeah. And then heel Gargano was like a total failure. And then, I mean, they made. There's not a him. reason to want to. There's not a reason to want to hate. There wasn't a reason to really want to hate him there. No. You know. But I mean, they made him a chump, and that just you can't. Yeah. You can't yeah. do that to a certain point. So, so Lucha. <laughs> so what what did you guys like overall what did you think of of this? I the so the thing that I thought about cuz it's it's like a contemporary of this match maybe by like 3 years. It's not like the, the same year I don't believe. But people for for years and years and years have hyped the slaughtered Patterson boot camp match. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And we saw that, I think, for the show, and I thought it was fine, but it's also like, eh, this is, I don't know, like, I'm not even, like, the biggest ECW fan, and I'm not really, like, a deathmatch guy, but it's like, this was not that, oh, this, it's okay, it wasn't great, in my opinion, uh, for all the hype that it got for, like, decades. This, if we want to compare, like, contemporary stuff, like, this was much better in terms of, like, a blood feud bloody brawl yeah. like it was it to me like the thing about this and this is like this is the thing that just in general i love about pro wrestling is that i mean it's obviously like it's it's fake but you're blurring the lines to where you're trying to make it you're trying to suspend disbelief and the more you blur the lines the easier it is to suspend the disbelief like this is where like this was a, the real blood sky is like it was so heated the crowd was like real heated Mm-hmm. It blurred the line to the point where it's like this seems real and gritty. It had like like the Memphis just seems like real and gritty and, and violent and dark mm-hmm. energy to it. So it's like I actually really like this a lot. I thought this was like a fantastic match. Yeah. It it's it's really good. Everything is stays consistent. Um they're not it's not um the phrase I'm looking for here. It's not go, 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 go to the point that you don't get to. It's hard to keep up with anything, but it's also consistently moving enough that it's interesting and engaging. Like this is this is really good. This whole thing keeps keeps together very well. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really good. It's a you know, it's a really good blood feud match. That, that's uh, that's probably the thing that to me comes off the most is like this is there are a lot of things that are called like you know blood feuds they're blow up matches to blood feuds yeah and even today and like they don't hold up but in my opinion like this holds up it's like no this is like a believable into a blood feud like these two guys seem like they absolutely hit each other everyone bled there was violence it was just gritty and dark it's like this head shaved with like bleeding like a stuck pig and the, yep. the hair, the the shaved hair is like sticking to him because there's just it's just sticking to the blood that's pouring out of him. Mm-hmm. It seemed, it seemed just violent and dark, and it's like you would let. I mean, it, it is what it is. Like it's your mileage may vary. Like we have like friend of the show, Christy Petrillo. Like his mm-hmm. son loves wrestling, has watched wrestling for years now. Even though he's you know he's still in his he's not even like a teenager. He's not even like an, a ten year old. Um, and he looked loves wrestling. It's like you would not. This is not something that you would like. I would really let my like 
child. Watch. He's, uh, yeah. let me see. He is turning, I believe he's turning nine mm-hmm. this upcoming year. So he's already eight. It's like, I wouldn't let my eight year old, if I had an eight year old, I would not let him watch this. It's like, this no. is like too violent for that. Yeah. I'm with you on that front. Um, yeah. My oldest is getting to a point where I'm going to have to sit down and like explain wrestling to him and, and what it is and what you're watching and that sort of stuff <laughs> and how you don't try and do it to your little brother. Um, oh, I'm, I'm fortunate that I only have girls and my oldest one is not even four yet, but yeah. I was watching like two, three weeks ago. I was watching wrestling. Like just, we try to like, not, we limit her tv time but yeah yeah i was watching it and like she came in the room because she was she was like out uh, she was off doing something with my wife mm-hmm. and she came back and so i like was i was watching it and i turned it off after she came in but it was on for like another like minute so it was i think i was watching like aew you know i was like trying to finish a match so i had, like another like two minutes so i'm like okay i'll leave it on two minutes but yeah it someone took a move and they said like you know they were down and she's like like what happened to him why did that man fall and i'm like oh he just uh you know he fell <laughs> He yeah. got hurt. Yeah. Uh, he's he's going to be okay, though. It's, <laughs> you, you had to explain, like, in, in a really weird roundabout way, like, oh, no, he's fine. It Don't, yeah, yeah, it'll be all right. Don't worry about it. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, I know. I'm with you. Um, this is this is not one that, that was ever, ever going to be anywhere near their radar. Like, mm-hmm. I, was, I was not letting that one happen. But, and, um. And speaking of bloody, the next match was... I was shocked that the next match was as bloody as it was. Uh, I was not expecting that. No? Uh, yeah. No, because so this is... um, So this is... Atlantis versus uh, Viana Tracero in a maskers mask match. And um, mm. this obviously is a big deal based on the crowd. So um, this one's interesting because it's really well worked. Uh so, and especially for his age, Viano is really agile here. Because there's a movie did, and I watched this a couple weeks ago, so I'm a little rusty. But, like, there's a move where he kind of, like, did this flip off of Atlantis's shoulders and, like, did, like, a pin attempt on him that I thought was really cool that I'd never mm-hmm. seen anyone do before. I know what you're talking about. Because I remember looking at that spot and going, wow, look at that. And I didn't write down what it was. Yeah, I didn't either. I actually, uh, I actually like went backwards to watch it again. But so what happens is um, so that so the first fall pretty much Viana does like a uh, dive on the outside and they they have um, Atlantis blade. I think Viano bled, but I think he got cut hard way. Yeah, uh, a couple things. I, I should have added this like really quickly. Like, I didn't know this. I like researched this after the words, but there's a, there's some context to this. It's like Atlantis was like the big CMLL star at the time. Like he was like, it's too, it's too much to say like oh he's their Hogan, but he was like he's big star. Like he was he's, like he's their like their Sting, I think. Yeah, or if you want to make it more contemporary, he's almost like their Cena. He's like the guy that never type. switched companies. Yeah, he's like the big. He was big, uh, and Viano Tresero was part of the Viano family. Was considered like the best worker or best wrestler of that family. Was really a big star, but he was also a big star for a promotion called UWA, which basically got run out of business by 
AAA, CMLL, like the two other companies. But UWA kind of predated AAA, and then it, I think it – I don't know if there was overlap with UWA and, and AAA, but I know it was fading as the 80s went on. And I think that's mm-hmm. – I think their last, like, real star was El Satanico. Mm-hmm. Who but, is uh, – it's still working today, apparently. Yeah, and, and – um, Even though he's older than dirt. <laughs> I think the UWA went out like either right as AAA started or like it went out and then AAA started up. Because AAA didn't uh, anyway. start until like, oh, when did it, 90, 92 or 93? Yeah, UWA was like going out around that time or shortly thereafter. I think it like, I think it hung around like mid 90s. Um, but the Vianos were like big stars there and then obviously went to Funked. And you know, they made the transition to other the other two wrestling company, really CMLL. Yeah. Um, but it was it was kind of like the you know the big one of the big the big star one of the big stars for that dying old dying promotion now in CMLL and then the hero CMLL. So it's there's a lot of backstory to this. Uh, one thing for that first fall that I thought was interesting is uh, this for a mask versus mask match where it's like the loser's gonna lose their mask. It's like Yano almost ripped just the entire goddamn mask off. Yeah. Oh, it hung on. Like he, it was barely, it was barely hanging on in my opinion. He, yeah, he ripped a whole side of it open, which led Mm -hmm. me to think that it was not a hard way bust because if he rips that open, then he blades on that side. Well, I I met Viano, Viano, I think busted hard way because when he unmasks at the end, you can see a cut on his cheek, which I don't think he would have. Bladed. Right. Well, I, mm. I was thinking of, of Atlantis, where no, I think Atlantis like legit bladed, but um, I think I think what happened is Viano busted his cheek when he did that dive that they did the replay on. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But I think I think Atlantis bladed off of that because you notice Viano's mask turning color, and then suddenly like Atlantis is just like his white mask is red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. It happened pretty fast. And what I like about this, so the first fall goes to Viano. So then the, the second fall, and then he does it pretty quick after the dive. And then the second fall is a lot of them doing a lot of mat work trying to... It's a lot of Atlantis trying to survive and trying to get hope spots in. And um, mm. it really builds like a tension and like... It, the crowd is actually kind of really quiet because you can tell they're watching and they're kind of on the edge of their seats. And um, so then they're they're kind of doing all this mat work. It's really it's actually really good. It's really compelling because mm-hmm. lucha like the submission molds, holds are more meaningful, so they don't like you don't sit there and hold a guy in an arm bar forever. It's like well if he's not gonna tap like I'm gonna move on to to something else. Mm-hmm. And so then. Um, so Atlantis gets Viano in like a torture rack and he submits and the crowd just goes crazy. And now I actually like this finish. So they go to the third fall and essentially Viano <sighs> gets careless and charges in and Atlantis gets him in the same torture rack and taps him out a second time to take his mask. And I really loved how like such a like a, a, a momentary lapse in judgment like cost him like to the same move. I really liked the way they did that ending. Oh yeah. That there, he had, mm-hmm. he had the hubris and let himself get blinded by 
tunnel visioning and going straight at him. And then he's just like, hey, guess what? Gotcha. Yeah. And it's such a it's, a, it's such a, like a, a tur- like it's such a reversal of fortunes because like he gets he kind of gets the, the the fall the second fall out of nowhere and the crowd's just going crazy and then the third fall he just like immediately like submits him and I really loved that ending. Yeah, it, it's got a night. I mean, I guess the torture act was um is that his uh Atlantis's finish or uh I don't think so okay well and then he goes to hey it worked once i'm going to use it again and that makes sense to me um but this uh, uh i was really i wound up really loving this match i don't know that i would agree this was like the, the 2000 match of the year but it was in my opinion like really 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 good i don't mm-hmm. think it's out of um, place to be match of the year Oh no, I would I wouldn't argue it's out of place. I would be like, oh they're they're crazy for thinking that. Like it's it's a fantastic match. Like I think I do think if you want to introduce people to Lucha, like we're trying to get chat into it, like I think this is a good match to see. It, it has this is almost I don't know if this is like a blood feud, but it's definitely like it it has everything that you would want in a blood feud or a feud or at least a match that matters. Like the if you, if you want to do like the quintessential like mass versus match match like this is a this is a good one because it's like they are just fighting tooth and nail so that they, mm-hmm. neither one loses their match uh mass sorry I misspoke yeah. I they're just beating the sh- the hell out of each other they're d- bloody they're doing submission moves but it's like they're not trying to give an inch. Uh, yeah. And if something doesn't work, they like drop it and try something else, or they keep on it, and like it, it just seems intense. If there's an intensity to it, there's like a realness to it. Just like I was saying with the last match, it's like it's not. It, to me, it wasn't as gray as the Chicano MS Uno match, but it was in that same vein where it's like they're just no because violent. It's it's violent. They're just fighting the, each other. I they're the really difference... it's it's a desperation to it. I think the difference between these two matches is MS1 and Chicana came off much more like roughneck um, guys that like weren't necessarily technically sound guys, but like brawlers and, you know, rough around the edges where when you watch Atlantis and Viana Tracero, there's that same intensity, but you're watching two masters of their craft, like, applying it in this situation that's very high stakes in in watching this one of the biggest takeaways i had was how much i really liked atlantis's selling because you know as you said these guys are very good they know what they're doing so there's this moment where atlantis is going up for a uh, he's going to he the Viano's on the outside and Atlantis is squaring to go at him and he goes towards the ropes like he's going to jump off of it and he ste- and steps to it and then he steps back down because he's like, I ain't got it to do this. And instead he goes to the corner and climbs up and dives that way. And I saw that and I was like, okay, you know what? That may not be a big thing, but that says a lot to me because that's him going, I shouldn't have enough in the tank to be able to fling myself over the ropes like this. I've got to climb up there and jump off for this to work. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't think so. 
and it felt like what where I really like this too is every like every turn and like momentum felt huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it was like like oh like and I mean I knew who won because Atlanta still has his mask. <laughs> but yeah. I mean um but like it's like oh is he you know is he gonna is this where he gets Viano like to even it up or oh is you know is is he in like real trouble here? Like I really those those turns were so like stark and like important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I actually own uh, an Atlantis mask, like a replica of it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, I like that, and I also liked. Uh, I mean, I I thought it was a slightly too much, but I also did appreciate how they kept cutting. The camera kept cutting to the crowd. Because you could see that that crowd was invested in this match. Yeah. Like there, there were literally there were there's women at points like gasping, like not crying, but it like you know the the whole the mouth in front of their face where it's like shocking. I'm shocked. Like what's happening? They were they were so emotionally invested. There were kids with like like cheering on. It was it was something like, and that's that's mm-hmm. something that it, as a wrestling fan, it's like you want to see the crowd that that's it. <laughs> they're yeah. that into what they're watching that they're like it it's it's like the uh the terry funk guy it's, it's still real to me damn it yeah. it's like it's real to them like they they this is like life and death to them they want to see their guy win them win the match and and not lose their mask yeah but it was pretty amazing yeah it it, it really i mean <laughs> i think i think this is a great introductory match because it it's just like there's so much like emotion in it. I also liked I oh, also yeah. liked when when Viano lost he had his family like come out and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. you can tell it mattered. Yeah, I like that too. But it was it was an, it was a good match. I really liked this. I I I would have to watch again in 2000, but I don't think this is unreasonable as like match of the year. I have a hard time saying if something is a match of the year because I would want to like if I'm going to go for whatever year it is and say it's match of the year, I want to go and watch the other contenders, too. Yeah, Um, I want to sit down and be like, okay, this is this is the other stuff that, uh, you know, the other stuff that that would be in contention. So I, I I don't know. I could see it being in contention, but it would uh, if we were talking about stuff we've watched on the podcast, this would be really high up there for me on things we've watched in context oh, yeah. of the show. In terms of. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Like the terms of like the competency involved, like how it just worked, it clicked, it did everything it was supposed to do. Like yeah, it, it's pretty it's pretty up there. It's on the it's definitely like I would say the upper echelon of stuff. 